0: Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale: the nine-book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbimack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. Hi, everyone. Today, our guest is the author of the best-selling Rick Cahill crime novels. His books have all either been chosen as finalists or won various awards including the Anthony for best first novel. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest Matt Coyle. Hi Matt, thanks for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, and how's San Diego?
1: (laughs) It is a beautiful day today. It really is. Oh god. It's exactly the kind of day people think about when they think of San Diego.
0: Yeah, I love San Diego. It's such a wonderful city and and the weather is fantastic. so tell us about Rick Cahill. Who is he and what's his story?
1: Well, when the uh, first book opens, which was is uh, Yesterday's Echo, uh, which came out in 2013, it's been about eight years for Rick since his wife was murdered. He was a police officer on the Santa Barbara Police Department, uh, arrested for his wife's murder, but never tried. He was released, but never exonerated. So he was kicked off the force eventually, and he moved back to his hometown of San Diego. Went to work in a restaurant, to kind of be behind the scenes, and uh, eventually way, eventually worked his way up to manager. We had to be more out in front because, you know, he, he when he was arrested for his wife's murder, uh, obviously the press was all over him. There was a forty-eight hours episode on his, on her murder, which made him look like he was guilty. So he had all that. He's had all that baggage since his wife's death. Now he's the first book. He's managing a restaurant, helps a woman in peril. Now in book five, which is Wrong Light, he's been a private investigator now for five years, and a radio um, a radio station has hired him to try to find out the person who's calling himself Pluto, who this person is, and why he's harassing their breakaway talk radio star um, Naomi Hendricks and bad things ensue
0: uh-huh so uh in the bio that you wrote with your guest post you credited Raymond Chandler with inspiring you to write crime fiction uh, what was it about his writing that inspired you
1: you know I read him very young my father gave me the simple art of murder when I was I think it was 12 to 13 14 somewhere around there and uh, of course, I read the short stories in the book, and I read his uh, thesis on writing detective fiction. I just like the idea of uh, someone living by their own code, he was a man of honor, but he lived—he uh, had his own code. I always see the private eye as kind of a, a gunfighter rides into town alone, and, and has to deal with sometimes competing forces, and all he has is his honor and his code. And, and Rick's uh, very much that person. He actually lives by. The credo handed down to him by his father, who was a disgraced cop before him, which is sometimes you have to do what's right, even when the law says it's wrong. And with each book, Rick takes that to a more and more extreme.
0: There's almost a dirty, hairyish side to that sort of philosophy. Do you you sort of get some kind of inspiration from that kind of uh, story?
1: Of course, I love Loved all the Dirty Harry movies, but um, I think that when you live by this kind of code, you ha- you have to be careful because uh, as the books go on, Rick does start to question his own sense of what is right and wrong because uh, I think that that's how all um, despots start really is uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm here to help people. I'm doing it my way. It's my way or the highway and when they get too much power, obviously things go um very wrong. So it's, a, it's, a, it's something he has to be very careful of. Um, he doesn't have the the law enforcement behind him like Dirty Harry. In fact, often he's a loggerheads with the law because obviously when you hire a private investigator, that's because uh, the police haven't handled your problem. I'm very much a law and order guy. My brother-in-law was a cop in LA for 33 years. His son's a police officer there. Now it's probably been 14 years. Uh, but of course, when you're writing, and there's a PI he's got to have uh, there has to be a reason for him to take the case and generally that means the police have ignored something
0: hmm let's see has your uh, protagonist changed over the course of the series and if so in what ways
1: yeah he has uh, I like in the first book he was uh, kind of trying to find himself he was he'd gone back to his restaurant roots as I said earlier but he was out of the spotlight, and he was kind of—he met a woman who all of a sudden needed help. And he was kind of forced back into more of a confrontational mode. So, with each book, he's gotten a little um, more secure in his own skin, if uh, if you like. Which is not always a good thing for him, uh, because he does live by that code. So I think his arc has become. See, his whole whole life now, since his wife uh, was murdered, is a quest for redemption. You have to read the first book, Yosha Zechel, to find out whether he killed her or not, but he was arrested for her murder. And whether he did or not, he feels responsible for her death. So uh, he's on this journey to try to gain redemption. And through five books, I just turned in book six, I think people looking from the outside might think, it's okay, Rick, you're redeemed but internally, I don't know if he's ever going to get there. So, and with he, with this sense of redemption and to to find the truth, he sometimes makes bad decisions that actually hurt the people he's trying to help.
0: Mm. So, So morally complex and complicated from an emotional standpoint as well. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) Um, Have you ever thought of writing another series or a standalone?
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't really have an idea. For, like, like I said, I just turned in book six. Um, I'm in discussions with my publisher about seven and uh, how many more to go. I mean, I love I love writing. Rick, as everybody knows, in the lit or most people know in the, in the uh, book business, it's hard to make money, and I'm trying to find a way to um, make more money. So that might mean I have to write a standalone and go to a different publisher, maybe my publisher's aware of, they're very good to me, but they understand the financial considerations. I just quit my job uh, December 31st to write full time. So um, I don't really have a a standalone hard idea. I've got some ideas. I don't have anything I can really get up and run with right now. And I do have a very good idea for the next Rick book. Uh, But yeah, I I think everybody that writes a series eventually has to write a standalone anyway, no matter how tied you are to that series. You just kind of need a cleanser to get refreshed. And then oftentimes, with obviously, say, uh, Michael Connolly, that starts another series and you still have your old one, but then you're doing Lincoln Lawyer. So I think there's always that possibility. But I think uh, I, I'm getting close to writing uh, a standalone, but it's not, the idea is not really solid yet.
0: Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, when did you start writing fiction with the serious intent to be published?
1: <laughs> that's a good question.
0: I asked because you had all those other careers before you started writing. Uh, right,
1: right. Too too late, probably. I, I I knew I wanted to write ever since my dad gave me the simple art of murder when I was 14 or so. But uh I it took me 30 years to figure out you actually have to write to become a writer. So uh I was working, I was helping put the fourth golf company I'd worked for in 10 years out of business when I realized Because the handwriting was on the wall. I'd seen this happen before. So I knew this company was going down. I said, Well, I was 42 or 3, somewhere around there. And I said to myself, Well, this is it. The lines in the sand. You have an opportunity. You're going to have some free time. You got enough money to save up for a few months at least. Now it's time to write that book or shut up about it. You can't talk about it anymore. You can't have those dreams. You have to find a real career instead of just a job each time. So I drew that line in the sand, and uh, which was about uh, 16, 17 years ago, and I wrote a first draft in uh, five months. And I thought, well, well, I thought it was a book because it had a beginning and it had the end at the end. So I thought they made a book, but of course, you know, because I didn't know anything about the writing business. Of course, I came to realize that it was just a first draft, and those don't get published.
0: They always, um, yeah. Right. We, always, we all have our first draft. <laughs>
1: right. And so, you know, I went through the whole eight, getting an agent. So I would say, but I was, I would say at that point, I was, once I started doing, it, I realized, yes, you're really doing what you're put on earth to do. So I would say when I was 43 and it took me, uh, 10 years to get published. But I, at that point I knew once I started doing it every day and forcing myself, I realized, well, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Even though it's hard most days, this is what you should do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize, I think, sometimes how hard it is to do sometimes. Uh, So what advice would you give to someone who wants to write crime fiction in particular?
1: I would say, first of all, write, as it took me 30 years to, to learn. I mean, that really is the thing. You have to sit in that seat every day and write. But I would say go to, obviously you read your genre. If someone wants to write whatever genre, if it's crime fiction, they should have been reading it all along because where's your interest? It has to be there. So read all the time, read crime fiction, join um, Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime. There's probably some other organizations out there. So you'll start to go to meetings and meet other crime writers. You'll meet, you know, published authors, big name published authors. Go to uh, writers conferences, and there's plenty of uh, crime writers uh, conferences. There's one coming up in March, which is uh, Left Coast Crime, which will be in um, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. There's uh, California Crime Writers coming up in June, which is in L.A. And then of course there's Bouchercon, which is a huge uh, uh, mystery uh, fan conference. In it's in Dallas, and I think it's in later this year. I think it's oh, it starts on Halloween actually. Um, there's plenty more, there's plenty of small, smaller ones you can find, and I, I just get immersed in the community. It really does make a difference. And one thing and go to book signings, go see your favorite authors, authors you may not know, because it really does pay off down the line getting uh, blurbs because you need to get those when you get published, things like that. Plus you'll find that, you know, this is what, sh- if you really want to write crime, you need to be a part of the community. And once you become a part of the community, you'll be amazed at how great people are, and how willing they are to help you. It's an amazing community.
0: I agree with you 100% on all of that. (laughs) Um, It's a fantastic community, and um, all those suggestions are great.
1: Um, I would say also, I'm sorry, join a writer's group, too. I would say join a writer's group, because you really need that feedback, because you don't don't know if you're telling the story you think you're telling, because it's always in your head, but it may not be the same on the paper.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's my sermon. Uh, yeah, actually, wow, yeah, I'm in a writers group uh, that is absolutely fantastic, and I I agree with you so wholeheartedly on that. I mean, really, you know, getting to know other authors, being in writers groups, just being part of the community is is an important thing. Um, who are your favorite authors other than Chandler? <laughs>
1: Uh, of course, I read a lot of Ross McDonald too. Um, oh God, I up, yes, I love him. So many totally more books, yeah. Uh, in fact, I I, was in, I went to UC Santa Barbara and uh, Ross McDonald last. Uh, he lived in Santa Barbara, I guess, later in his life. And I was taking a detective writing class. If you can believe they actually had such things, it was great. We were reading, we were reading Chandler, we were reading uh, McDonald, and he was going to come in and uh, talk to our class one day. And he wasn't able to make it that day. And it's like, to me, that's a big, that's a big hole in my life where I almost had the opportunity to meet Ross McDonald a million years ago. But anyway, I, I, McDonald Chandler, obviously contemporarily, I, I, I read Robert Crace, huge fan of him. Michael Connelly, T. Jefferson Parker, C.J. Box, um, an author I always mention, um, but she's just on such a different level than me is um, Megan Abbott. I love her. I love her writing. But when I write, when I read her, and then I go back to my own writing, I feel like I'm in the West, when they ask you to sign a document, and you just sign an X. I feel like that's the difference between my writing and her. It's such, such a different level, it's so dense, it's so, uh, it's so beautiful um, that um, I'm a huge admirer, but I have nothing in common with her,
0: except <laughs> she's a nice person. Yeah. Well, you know, she is a very nice person, and um, does write extremely well. Yes. Um I agreed on all of those. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up?
1: No, I appreciate you having me on for one thing. Plus, you know, thing. We, we had a scheduling deal. Uh, no, now. I think it's a great opportunity. And uh, I, I like your uh, the fact you got a working office there. And, uh, <laughs> oh, definitely. I, was, I, I could not have mine in the office because it, it's just not clean up to where I wanted to be. I said when I quit my day job, that I was going to get the office together where I wanted it. But uh, of course things always come up and I'm not there yet, but no, I would just say uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And um, like a, your, your question was a, was a good one about what you uh, uh, inspiring Mr. Author do. And I think that um, the things we talked about is a great way to go.
0: All right. <clears throat> well, well, thank you again so much. And um I would just like to say to everyone, don't forget to check my blog for his uh, book giveaway, <clears throat> which you still have time to enter. So uh, while you're there, you can also check out my own books as well as the Crime Cafe box set and anthology, which you can find the buy links for on my website, debbymack.com. And we also have a Patreon page if you'd like to check out the perks and support the podcast. Uh, So if you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a review. Um, Even a one-liner with a star rating helps a lot. So um, next time our guest will be, barring disaster, (laughs) Andrew Nettie. So with that, I will simply say thanks for listening. And until next time, happy reading. And I'll see you in two weeks.